sermon reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is God's word. I wake up on Sunday mornings and it's the one day a week that I actually get up and out of bed before my wife. Amen. One out of seven's not bad. And I wake up and, and obviously you want to be as courteous as you possibly can, so you try to be as quiet as you can and you try to tiptoe, but, but the issue really becomes getting to the bathroom to get ready in the total pitch blackness. And that's when I bring out the, the cell phone light. And, and you turn it on to the, the lowest setting you possibly can, but really the moment you hit the button, the damage is done. No matter if you try to, try to face it towards the ground or if you try to face it away from the bed, no matter where you try to face it, light cascades throughout the entire room, especially onto the pillow of my dear patient wife who's still trying to sleep. And you go off into the bathroom, and by the time I, I'm out and by the time I'm, I'm ready for the day, the damage has already been done and she is wide awake. That's just sort of how light works, isn't it? When it's in this room full of darkness, it's, it's tough to contain it. it. It makes its way to every single corner and nook and cranny, the ones that you want it to hit and the ones that you don't want it to hit. That's just what light does. And in our readings for today, the one from Matthew wherein Jesus says you are light and the, the one from 1 Peter in which it says that you have been called out of light, we see this, this beautiful image of light being applied to you and I as Christians, both being called into it and being called to be it. Brothers and sisters, you are the light of the world. You are, so be the light of the world. Peter is, is talking to these, these Christians. And, and these Christians are, are going through a little bit of, a, of an identity crisis. Think about maybe like a, um, a college student that goes off and is around people that, that have nothing to do with their faith. They don't want anything to do with their faith. In fact, they're willing to argue their faith with them. That's where these Christians that Peter's talking to sort of find themselves. They're living in, in this world that is so darkened by sin, so corrupted by the powers of evil. And they're these new Christians and they look around and they go, well, what, what are we supposed to do? Am I doing the Christian life thing right? Am I fulfilling all of the laws and the commands that God has put in front of me? Am I need, do I need to change? Do I need God to, to change me into something besides who I am? 
And that's why Peter starts, starts this way. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter's essentially saying, guys, you got to forget about the Christian living for a second, and we've got to take care of first things first. Not what you want to be, but what God has already made you to be. There's two words that we really need to, to keep in mind and, and get straight for, for our purposes this morning, and that is the, the word justification and the word sanctification. And they're both thrown around a lot, and, and it's important that we get these in mind because if you flip-flop them, it's really, really, really dangerous. Justification, that, that done deed declaration that God makes about you, that he says you are forgiven because of the sacrifice of my son. That's justification. And sanctification, well, that's what the Holy Spirit spurs you on to be. It's the, the urging you and the giving you of the ability to carry out the laws and commands that God has given to you. It's the Holy Spirit at work inside of you that gives you the ability to love your neighbor and to love God. And I really want to point out three very important distinctions and differences between justification and sanctification because they really do, they really do matter. First, justification that declaration that you are not guilty, that is a one-time thing. That is not an ongoing process. That is a one-time moment in which God says, you're freed. You're mine. And I'm not letting go. Sanctification, on the other hand, that, that building up of the human being to, to, to be more in line with the will of God, well, that's an ongoing process. That's something that never finds its, its completeness here on earth. The, the moment that you become a Christian, it's not as if at that moment, all of a sudden, you are zapped with perfect knowledge of God and what he wants for you. And no, in sanctification, we talk about that as a, as a process, as a, as a building up. Second, justification is perfect. Your salvation isn't halfway done. God doesn't need you to add anything to it. When God says you are freed from sin, he's serious about it, and it is complete. There's no foot in one camp and foot in the other camp here. You have either been bought back by the precious blood of Christ, or you reject him. Only two camps. On the other hand, with sanctification, sanctification is not perfect. Contrary to what maybe some people in your life want you to believe about Christians, the more that you sp time that you spend in a Christian church doesn't mean that someday, once you turn 60 or 70 or 85 or 90, that's when you're finally just going to stop sinning. That's when uh, all of the temptations are going to be gone and you are finally going to be able to live without sin in your life. That just, that never happens. Sanctification is imperfect. It's something that one day you will be able to live as a mature Christian. Maybe the next day you just, you just won't. And finally, the third thing to consider when thinking about justification and sanctification, and maybe the most important thing to consider, is that the order matters. Justification first, declared not guilty first, then called to live 
in God's kingdom. People get that all flip-flopped and they say, yeah, I'm going to do the sanctification part first and I'm going to try to live my best, do my best, and that way God is finally going to say, you know what, I have now forgiven your sins because you've kept my will so well. That's not how it works. He says, you are free, justification. Now you can live free, sanctification. Those two thoughts are, are very important. It's, it's exactly what, what First Peter's trying to get at, especially when he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Notice how he says, you are. He doesn't say, I'm building you into these things. He doesn't say, if you try real, real hard, I'm going to make you into those things. He says, because you have faith in me, you are already all of those things. A, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That applies just as much to those who Peter is writing to as it does to you. And God hammers this home through his, his messenger, Peter, as he continues with, with verse 10. And he says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What he's saying is that before you were justified, before, before you were welcomed into the family of believers, this was true of you. But now that you are a part of this family, You've been shown mercy, and you're a part of these people. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's you. You are chosen. Chosen to, to have your names written in the book of life. That's you. A, a royal priesthood who God has said, I forgive you of your sins, and now I am calling you to announce forgiveness to other people. That's you, a holy nation, people that God has lifted up and set apart and said, you are mine now and forever and his special possession. You are those that God refuses to give up. You are already his. And that means something. You have been called out of darkness. And so why? Why does it seem like so often in our lives we, we want to go back into darkness? Why does it seem like at, at so many points in our lives, every, every single day, God says, you're forgiven, you're mine, I've called you into light, and, and we go, well, but the, the darkness looks pretty great. Why is it that we confess with our mouths, God, I love you and I want to live in your holy light from now until the day I die, but our actions, our actions fall so short of it. Brothers and sisters, you, you've been called something, but so often our sinful nature, it, it wants to go back. There's a warning in Matthew. We, we got to think back to, to Matthew, the, the second reading that we had today when, when Jesus called his people salt of the earth. 
I think of uh, in 2021, uh, the first week of 2021 actually, uh, I got COVID while I was in California. And I, and I was fine, I had my orange juice, I got my rest and every, everything went okay. Besides me losing my, my taste and my smell almost in their entirety. And I remember I, I went to Walmart and I had him load the groceries into the back, the back of my car as we were, we were doing at that time. And, and I went home and I was going to make guacamole because I figured if there was one thing I could taste, it was going to be homemade guacamole. And so I added the pepper and the paprika. And yes, I added the salt. Nothing. And so I took the salt and I dumped even more in there. Nothing. And it was at this moment that I thought to myself, why am I doing this? Why would I add salt, whose only purpose is to make this more flavorful and delicious? Why would I add more salt if it's not doing its job and all it's doing is raising my blood pressure? That's what God means when he calls us salt. He says, I, I haven't just freed you. I've freed you to live a certain way. And, and brothers and sisters, how often is it true that that we're not the salt of the earth. That we, we don't reflect the love that God has shown to us. I want you to think, even in those, those seemingly small, menial times in our day when maybe we're, we're sitting in line at the, the bank at the grocery store and the person in front of us just does not even sort of have it together. Does your face, does your words, do your actions reflect the patience with which God treated you? When, when we're in that conversation with a, a neighbor or a friend and they are just starting to lambast another human being in this world, do we all of a sudden swoop in with the mercy of God and say, I am going to be the salt of this conversation? I know what my answer is. So often we fail to be what, what we are called to be. And so what do we do? What do we do? Do we live lives of frustration? Do we live lives where, where we are constantly telling ourselves, you are not doing enough. You are not good enough. You're, 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 being, you're being this or that. You are being disobedient and you need to get your act together. Do we roll up the newspaper and slap ourselves on the nose with it throughout our entire lives? Is that how we get ourselves to live our Christian life? No. That's, that's treating a problem just by heaping more law on it. Instead, instead I want you to go to war with these words of 1 Peter 2, verses 9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that he has called from darkness into light. Brothers and sisters, he's, he's freed you. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. If you are looking for the silver bullet to Christian living, it is, not more, it is not more depression. 
It's not more anger at yourself for not keeping God's commands. It's looking at God's commands, then looking at what he has called you to be, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and saying, I am free to keep these. You know, the law is, is no longer a burden for us. It, it can be a guide. Wherein God says, if this is what I have made you, you and I can be what he has made us. And yeah, there are those days in our lives of sanctification in which we fall right on our rear ends. And it doesn't go at all how we want it to be. But that's when we remind ourselves that we're chosen, that we're forgiven, and that we are freed to approach it again with the mercy that Christ has poured out on us. Brothers and sisters, we have this, this, this privilege, this duty to our Lord Jesus to live such good lives among the pagans, among people that want nothing to do with God. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. That's the way that we get to see our Christian living. As a testimony to God's love for us, turned out towards the people around us. Turned out to a, a people that might think that God is a vengeful, angry, hateful God. We get to be the thing in their life that says that is not who he is. He is a God of justice, but he is a God of compassion. Go into this week not disciplining yourself with the law over and over and over again, not, not motivating yourself with the law over and over again, but go into this week with one thing on your mind. Who has God made you? He's made you a child. And he said, all I ask is that you be my child. Amen.